Hi friends, this is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com bringing you part two of our podcast on separation anxiety. The first one talked about some ideas of how you can avoid separation anxiety from the start. And this part, this podcast is all about how to fix separation anxiety when you are in it. You're already there, which is probably... If you're uh, listening to this podcast, it might be the perspective you're coming from. So, um, again, a good reminder is that all anxiety isn't bad. And when we say separation anxiety, we're talking about an unhealthy kind of anxiety that comes because you don't have a person or another dog or that crutch that you feel you need, your dog feels that they need in their life. It could be us too, I suppose. But really, um, it's an It's an illogical kind of anxiety that comes from the idea that I can't survive on my own. And of course, we want our dogs to be well-balanced and to be able to survive on their own and to be calm when we're away and fulfilled. We don't want them to be stressed or nervous every single time we walk out the door. And so we want to fix separation anxiety. And this is one of the issues that, from a dog trainer standpoint, is actually it's it's harder than a a lot of other things that may seem harder. So um separation anxiety takes more time anyway and it, it there's a process to follow and we're talking about chemical responses in, within our dog's body. So we definitely don't want to start these and we want to avoid them if possible, but if you're already in that situation, then some of the ways you fix it are what we'll talk about here. Now, of course, separation anxiety is created when we reinforce anxious behaviors. If you want to get more of something, you reinforce or reward it. If you want to get less of something, you don't reward it or correct it. And uh, that's really just how it works with dogs. It's how it works pretty much in our own lives too. Although sometimes, uh, well, definitely human psychology and dog psychology are different because we are different species. But we can kind of find some parallels there in our own lives as well. Um, a lot of times, if you've been around kids, you kind of understand this. You know, you, you understand situations. I'll, I'll give you an example with our uh, two-year-old. Right now he's two. And he he was born on Jan, in January of 2020, um, really just before uh, COVID hit and before we did all the lockdowns and things like that. And so this baby uh, grew up around quite a few people because he was the seventh child, our seventh child. But not really any, you know, like strangers that we may have seen if we were out and about, which didn't happen for a lot, you know, the first of the first year of his life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they all had masks on and things like that. and And so... He, when we started going to church, um, he was super shy. Like he, uh, people would try and talk to him and he would just be, be super duper shy, like more shy than any of our kids ever have been. And so we were kind of taken aback a little bit like, oh man, he is super shy. And that could have just been his nature. I don't, I mean, I assume that the situation maybe amplified it, but, but maybe a little bit of his nature too. And, and the puppies and the dogs that we get, they, they have their own temperament. And some of them are going to be a little more shy and a little more careful. While others are going to, you know, be a little bit 
more silly or I don't really care what's going on. I'm the best in the world kind of attitude. So anyway, with our son, we thought, okay, how, how do we fix this? And, you know, it took a few months and it, it did help at least for our son when all the masks came off. Um, I think all of a sudden people like people look like people at home that way. And, uh, he's just started getting used to it. But the first little while, especially when he would go to like the little nursery class at church, that was really tough for him. We we've never had a kid that was so petrified to be away from, uh, his parents. And so the same things happen with our puppies. You know, these puppies come home and they are separate from their families for the first time. And we, we feel bad for them. And so we want to love them. We want to help them. Now, I know enough about dog training. And I've had enough children that when I would uh, drop our little two-year-old off at nursery and he's crying and maybe even screaming and just kind of beside himself, I, I feel bad for the nursery people. But, but I know that he's fine. Like, this is not a horrible situation, as scary as that may feel. And I can kind of watch through the two-way glass and, um, and, and, and can see how he's doing. And, and uh, for the first for few weeks, he, he just, like, wouldn't do anything. He, after a while, he would stop crying, which is <laughs> so great for the nursery workers there at church, the volunteers there. But, uh, and, you know, it took about a month. And then after a month, he was, like, at home. And this is, like, once a week, right? So it's not, like, every day. But um, he was totally at home and... Uh, now it's like we get close to the door and of course he's going to walk off on his own and we're not even going to go in there. <laughs> like we're just going to wave at the, at the nursery people and, and send him off. But, uh, and, and he loves it. Like if we don't, if he doesn't go to nursery now, there's a problem, right? Because he loves it. Well, with our puppies, if we feel bad, it's kind of like what, what I watch what I watch in the new parents, the, 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 I, I don't, I don't want this to sound bad, but you, you, we were that parent too. Right. And so we, we, uh, you watch the newer parents and, and I could use us as an example. Maybe that's even better, but like with our first child, he, uh, you know, you feel bad and you want to, to hold him and, and stay in there with them and, and keep them close so that they can feel comfortable. And, and then you try and leave and then they freak out again. And I, I watched, uh, one set of parents, just like they would put, put their boy in and they would scream and they'd go stand in the hall and they'd close their eyes like, I can't take this. And then they would go and get their child. And, and all they were really teaching them is the, the kid was learning that if I scream long enough, my parents will come back <laughs> and, and it's, it's actually going to get worse. And, and, you know, it's funny, like how you get hardened as a parent. It, it, you kind of start to realize this, like child number two, our child number two, she, she was, she was talking like, by the time she was like one and a half full sentences, she's just a little chatty social girl. She had no issues. Uh, child number three is just kind of quiet and goes along with things. So he was fine. And if child number four, she may be a little bit harder. Child number five is like our kid that gets into everything. And <laughs> he, he actually, uh, he probably gave the, the nursery people a run for his money and we came to pick him up and he's got blood on his shirt and we're like, what happened? They're like, it really looks bad, but he just got a, you know, he fell and he got a bloody nose and we totally believe it. Cause that was who he was. And, uh, it's never happened since. So we're good. Right. But like, 
as a parent, we, we, we wanted to, to help out, help our children out. And the best way we could actually nurture them was to help them thrive in real life. Knowing that this wasn't a dangerous situation, I didn't need to rush in there and save the day. Um, and knowing that I could I love them enough that I could back off. So we create anxious behavior like separation anxiety when we reinforce it. So step number one to fixing the issue is we've got to stop reinforcing a lot of those behaviors. And that can be hard for a lot of us because we have good hearts, nurturing hearts, and we want to help our puppies uh, feel comfortable. And in a human way, a lot of times, you know, if if my kid falls, my little, you know, my little four-year-old falls and hurts his his knee, scrapes his knee, I'm going to, I'm going to hug him a bit and I'm going to love him and I'm going to does it hurt? Yeah. And just let him talk it out. That That's what we do as humans. And that's great. So, but the problem is dogs aren't humans. And so when we, you know, when they're, they're stressed, like they're, they're crying in a kennel and we just think, oh, I got to go get them out again. You'll just teach them to cry long enough that you, you'll come and get them. And if we think that, okay, well, I'll leave them in the kennel, but I'll talk to them you're still reinforcing that behavior. So it may come in the form of talking or touching, anything that seems like a reinforcement. And you can be smart enough to figure this out. If it's getting, uh, you know, if you're trying stuff and it seems to be getting worse, I mean over time, not like in the moment necessarily. If it seems to be getting worse, then maybe we're reinforcing it instead of kind of taking a moment to say, hey, stop it. What you're doing is silly. Don't do it right? And for a dog, a lot of times the way we do that is we use a kennel and we help them get comfortable there first. And tons of dogs are comfortable in kennels. Your dog doesn't have to be an exception and they may not like it at first, but they can, they're anxious because they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I stuck here forever? And we want them to learn, Hey, no, that's silly, right? You can trust me. And we, we get them to trust us by building boundaries. (laughs) The one who builds the boundary is the one that we ultimately trust because we know that they have rules and things like that that they live by. So we trust the boundary. We trust them. Someone with no boundaries, don't trust that person, right? Don't trust that, you know, if a dog has no boundaries, even in the dog world, they're not going to be trusted. That dog that's too in the face of another dog, dogs don't like it. So we want to teach healthy boundaries so that they can come out of this separation anxiety. Things that you can do to help fix that separation anxiety, prepare and set up situations, you know, put up situations like the kennel, um, separations where they're going to be apart and you can do something about that to monitor it without being in the room. One of the great ways we do that in training is we use a baby monitor. Baby monitors are real time, so we can see in real time exactly what's happening. Of course, you could use your phone or uh, FaceTime someone and put their phone in so you can kind of see what's going on in the same room, but there's a little bit of lag time there. So as a trainer, timing's important to us, and we use a baby monitor. We have seven kids, eight on the way pretty soon, and uh, we have never used a baby monitor for our children. Their room's close enough we can hear it, but... Uh, We use them for dogs all the time. So you can prepare and set up situations and you can watch what happens. It's kind of interesting when you do that too. You know, we'll get people, there's all of these supplies. Like people will say, oh, I got this new puppy. It's eight weeks or it's 10 weeks. And 
uh, and, and I just I want it to be comfortable. So I don't I don't want it to to have nothing in the kennel. That usually ends pretty fast when the dog starts peeing on it, and they're like, oh, that's not I can't keep it clean. Or they uh, they say there's supply or there's uh, products. There's products like you can get stuffed animal dogs that have a heartbeat sound to them. And all of these things that they come up with that are really created to help us feel better, not necessarily the dog. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of truth to the one with, um, here is a a towel with mom's scent on it, you know, Uh, so the dog can feel comfortable and reassured that mom is not gone forever. I... (laughs) Uh, maybe for a little bit. Okay. I I'm a little more lenient in the first week or maybe two at the very most. But after that, it's so funny as we, we set up the baby monitors and we watch this stuff happen. Like, um, we've had people bring puppies and say they cannot, they can't sleep without their stuffed animal that has a, a heartbeat so that they can feel like they're next to their litter mates. And we'll watch in on the camera and the dog will just it just plays with it, right? It just throws it around a little bit and gets more anxious sometimes because of the situation or it makes it so it can't sleep and so the next day's worse. And, <laughs> and it's just so funny to me. Again, maybe the first, maybe, you know, between eight and 10 weeks old, but after that, they're just gonna get to a different stage where that stuff just is not helpful. So you set boundaries. Um, <laughs> I, I laugh because the dog that, um, the person was so adamant the dog needs this. We watched the first night as it tore it up. <laughs> like it was just like, ah, I don't need this. I'm just gonna tear it up. Just mess it, you know, just tear the thing apart. I'm like, if that's how it feels about its litter mates, then I'm glad its litter mate is not in there. So <laughs> it, it it's it's a process that we 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 know it, but sometimes we give in to the lie that we're actually helping and feeling we feel it's to make us feel good. So prepare and set up situations. You can use a baby monitor. Um, you can maybe smooth the transition a little bit, but don't try and do that long term. Like don't, don't think that that's going to work for weeks and months on end. Uh, but feel free, you know, if you want to smooth the transition a little bit, it's not going to make them love or hate their new situation more or less. The dogs are so good at, at just taking what the world gives them and moving forward and finding joy in it. I mean, you think about like a, a stray dog, like a lot of times they're pretty, they're, they're not like, they're pretty happy. Like they're, they're not trying, they're not. And, and that's a stray dog. Like I, I remember seeing a stray dog, uh, once in the Dominican Republic when we went to visit, uh, my wife's parents were there on a service mission for our church and, uh, we went and visited and we're at, at the church doing an activity with a bunch of people in, in the Dominican Republic and a dog just comes walking in and wandering around and I'm looking at all the people there and they like didn't care. And then somebody saw it and they're like, Oh, Hey, go outside. And they just made it leave. Just a stray dog. Like that just roamed the streets and dog was happy as could be. It was just, you know, this is the world. What's going on in here. I'm going to go check it out. So dogs are so good at taking the situation they're in and finding, you know, a, a way to live and to survive that, a lot of times the things we try and do are actually holding them back. Set new rules, set new boundaries, and then move forward. Just say, this is how it's going to be. And this is because I know it's going to help you ultimately thrive. Definitely kennel train 
uh, and have that kennel in a low traffic area. Kennel train your dog. A kennel is one of the best tools ever created for dog training. It helps you start small so they're not anxious thinking they have too much space. A lot of times, uh, too much space is also stressful. They may not be as loud, but they're nervous on the inside because in a dog world, a lot of times too much space, they have to feel like they manage that space and they're too young to manage it. So give them a small space and teach them to be calm in that small space and then grant them more freedom and more peace as they can handle it, more, more space as they can handle it. And then of course your body language matters. Uh, so no touching or talking uh, to try and soothe, just let it, let it happen. You can correct with a sterner voice, like the no or with a clap, uh, but m- very little talking is usually needed in a situation like this. So those are the things we're going to do to help fix it. Just real quick, we're going to prepare setup situations, smooth the transition, maybe short term, but not long term, uh, like a couple weeks, set new rules and boundaries, and then follow them, move forward, kennel train for sure. And then use your body language. Uh, you know, you can be kind of stiff and then you can switch on a dime. Like, could they do something good? Reward the good. Reward the good. Correct the bad. Some of the things that you're not going to do is don't lay by the kennel. Don't talk so much to them or, or talk with, you know, a soft, oh, voice. Oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. It's all right. Those voices are going to kind of, it's going to encourage that anxiety. Don't touch when they're in an anxiety, in anxious state. We often say with puppies, you get what you pet. You get what you pet. So if you you pet them when they're like calm, not pet them to be calm, but when they learn when they're in a calm state and you just gently rub and pet them, you encourage that state of mind. Again, not petting to be calm. We're not holding them and petting them to be calm. We're rewarding the state that they got to on their own. Uh, you get what you pet. Uh, don't give in and let them out if they're whining and things like that. Um, even if you're like, even if you're like, man, it has been a while and I should probably, um, I should probably, I probably, oh, I forgot to feed them. Uh, it's my fault. I'll just go in and give them food and, or take them out. You're rewarding that behavior. So if you don't want that behavior to happen for forever, even if it is your fault, even if you waited too long or something like that, then you can go and correct the behavior wait 20 seconds outside the the door and then go in totally different person and be like, Hey, it's time for food. Here we go. Right there. That's how you do it. Uh, don't pick them up, whatever you do. Don't pick them up. If they're, they're feeling separation anxiety, don't let them hide either. So if they want to like hide under the chair, uh, because they, they're in a new situation and they're nervous about it and they just want to, to, to hide and, um, cower, we're not going to encourage that either. It's not as big of a deal as like whining in a kennel, but I'm going to take a leash and I'm going to make them come out from underneath me because if I let them do that, then what do they do in a situation where I can't be there? So we don't want to let them hide and don't ever like, uh, one of the don'ts is, is to not use a kennel. Like if you, so don't not use a kennel. Wait, how do I say that the right way? So it's bad to not use a kennel. How's that? <laughs> if you don't use a kennel, oh my goodness, we fix so many problems that people come to us and say, I've got this big issue. My dog um, just does whatever it wants. It, it barks all night long at people at the window. 
um, my dog kills every uh, cat that comes into our yard. And, it, and those are all situations that we've had. So you've got to make sure that no matter the situation, you use a kennel. There are so many little things that we accidentally do, and it's not really on purpose. There's no, it's, it doesn't make you bad. If, if some of the things I'm saying, you're like, oh, I've done that, I've done that, then that's great. We're not going to hold it against you. Let's just move forward and start to teach our dogs to be able to really thrive. The quote from the last one I'll share again from the last podcast was by Henry Cloud, and he says, boundaries are basically about providing structure and structure is essential in building anything that thrives. We want to build our dogs into something that thrives. So facing these fears and facing our fears and having our dogs face these separation anxiety fears, it really allows them to unlock their voices to, you know, you'll rescue their puppyhood. Can you imagine if their puppyhood is just full of anxiety? They're, they're, it's not going to be a good puppyhood. Um, so it will rescue their puppyhood and it will help them become a well-balanced and fulfilled dog. And that's exactly what we want. If you are struggling in a big way with separation anxiety and some of these little pointers are, are not working too much for you, um, we would love to help you out. You're, you're welcome to contact us, to message us, um, get on our Instagram, Cornerstone Dog Training, and we can talk through some things even. You can send pictures and say, this is what's happening. What do we do? And we can definitely set you up in a way that can help. One of the big ways, if you're struggling with the kennel, is my wife, Lorelai, knew that this was an issue for a lot of people. And so she took 14 days, three puppies, and took them through a kennel, our, our kennel training program. So she just filmed everything. She like spent tons of time and it is an awesome program. You're welcome to figure, to, to jump in and to, to figure out kennel training using that 14-day program. You can find that at kenneltrainingchallenge.com. Go ahead and any way we can help, we'd love to know. Contact us so that we can help get past this situation. It's one of the biggest keys to helping your dog have a fulfilled life is just learning to understand how to deal with the chemical response of anxiety. That's what we would love to help you do. And hopefully this podcast helps you get there. Go ahead and try it out. And we will see you, talk to you at least, later. Bye, guys.